Okay, um, that should be better. And hey, Phoebe, how's that bottle? No, Phoebe's not drinking. She is uh, enjoying the chewing the cap off the top of a two-liter bottle. That then she lifts the last little remnant of whatever's in there into her mouth for a taste of sweetness, and then she chews up uh, the bottle with like a chew toy until she uh, is tired of it. Then we throw it away. Yep, we're that white trash. Yummy, yummy. But <clears throat> beyond being white trash with my dog toys, when I travel on a train from New York to Chicago, that also feels kind of, well, first of all, yes, white trash is a terrible uh, generalization. It doesn't need to exist, so I won't use it. But uh, <laughs> when I'm watching my dog chew up a two-liter bottle, I don't know what else to call that, really. Um, but when you travel on train, especially in whatever the section is that you get one seat, and frankly, you can go use the communal bathroom and you can hit the dining car, not the sit-down, well, you can pay for the sit-down dining car, but that's certainly not included. You can go to the, like, get a hot sandwich, which, again, you're not on a train going across country with a seat because of the dining options. However, that seat, about the size of an airplane seat, is all you've got on a trip across country. But unlike an airplane seat, you're not sitting with, um, with your, you're not sitting back to back to back to back to back. You're sitting in clusters of four or six. And so you're facing somebody or facing two people really. Um, and across the aisle, basically is the same scenario. So there's kind of these little communities of four. Um, and on this particular train trip, uh, the, the tra travel between in the first stage was crowded, but like four hours into the trip, a woman got on, if I can remember, it was like Erie, Pennsylvania, but that's not, it could have been Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, but wherever I was, I was somewhere four hours into a trip between New York and Chicago on train and a woman gets on who has never left her house. Basically she is 20 something Asian American came to America as a child, did not know English, had since learned English. And this was her first trip across America because her parents wouldn't let her go out until she had become a certain age. And I can't remember what all this was. I was 19 at the time. So she was a few years older than me. I remember that much. So let's assume she was at least 21, 22, 23, could have been as old as 26, 27, but she was experiencing another state for the very first time whenever we crossed out of whatever state she got on in. And then she was going to travel the whole country and see everything. And her first stop, I think was, it was not Chicago. It was something beyond that because she had family there somewhere in Iowa, maybe. Des Moines could have been her first stop, <laughs> whatever it was. I remember thinking of all the places you're going to stop. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, no, she was, she, she was, she was st stopping somewhere. It could have even been Omaha, but whatever it was, who gives a shit? Um, this, this woman has so little experience in the world and I'm so bored at this point because for the first four hours, it's this other, Across from me is a, a woman who then next to me has sat her youngest kid, who's like six, and a kid across from her is like 10. And they keep fighting over both some books and some video game device. And it's just like, 
I mean, and the kid next to me is restless. Like he keeps elbowing me and kicking me and shit. And I'll put up with a lot. But the woman across from me doesn't even give a shit, does not give a shit. And I figure she doesn't give a shit because I don't give a shit. And at what point can you start giving a shit once you let this kid interact with you like that? So when they get off, I'm like, thank God. Uh, and then this woman gets on and we're alone. This is like, I don't know what time. This is late at night. It's like 1030 at night. So we're alone till for six, seven hours. And I can't sleep and she's obviously excited. So I start telling her these stories about how I'm going to you know, I'm studying to become an Ar Arctic ecology, tundra ecology, no, Arctic tundra ec ecologist. I don't even know. I'm making something up based on, I think, a Discover Magazine article I had read waiting to get on the train in the train station. And I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like, I don't really know what major I'm going to be because at the end of my freshman year, the one thing that's clear is that I'm not going to be an econ major. And so I have no idea what my major is going to be. But I just make up this wild tale. And, and, and this is just one of many narratives I construct that are barely true. And here's what I'm actually doing. I'm going to visit my girlfriend who lives in a house designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. I am leaving a wilderness school in uh, Middleton, not Middletown, in New Fairfield, Connecticut, which is jogging distance from Sandy Hook. I used to jog through that little borough. Um, I, I am a wilderness school instructor between my freshman and sophomore year at one of the top 20 preps or colleges on the East Coast. Uh, and I'm going by train on my one week break from this job to see my girlfriend who uh, is going to host me with her parents and her brother on Lake Michigan in their vacation home. So this is what I'm actually doing, but that's not an interesting enough story that I can't tell some tale of complete embellishment about some adventure I'm not even on. Because I'm bored. And because what, is, what does it matter? This woman's, you know, I'm jump-starting her adventure with a story of, of um, you know, worthy of the backside of a, of a, of a 14-year-old's journal. But... I don't know why I do stuff like that. You know, I certainly don't do it anymore, but I used to do it a lot. And it wasn't always boredom. Sometimes it was tactical. Sometimes it was playful. Sometimes it was not as playful. I just, I just wanted to sometimes even just push people's buttons. Yeah, I know, be a dick, right? I get it. And, and I've stopped doing this. This is, this is, not uh, admirable, admirable behavior at all. And I don't need to be this person. My stories are fine. My life has been interesting. I now have found a fulfilling path to destiny and really what else do you have to do? And to think that I would make something up at this point just seems ridiculous. Why would I tell a story on top of things that are already exactly the way I want them to be lining up? And uh, you know, it's funny. When I was talking earlier, I think, I had mentioned how I always kind of felt like this jagged piece that was rolling around in the universe. And I just, I assumed that the way the universe worked is you ran into other people whose jagged piece cut out, synced with yours enough that when you rolled into each other, friendship or love or whatever blossomed into 
opportunities. And when you didn't and you clashed, you just rolled out and rolled into other people or whatever. I know it's terrible, but that's what I thought. And obviously what I didn't realize is that not everyone out there is just a rolling jagged piece of all these sharp edges hoping to tumble into something that's just as jagged and sharp but oppositely aligned in a way that makes them so codependent they uh, can't get out of a relationship with each other without one of them dying. But with that happy story as my ultimate outcome, thankfully I shifted into something that rolls around whole and only looks to see what I can do to help others who might be still sitting there with jagged edges feel better and whole of themselves. So, um, that story, when I think of my brother-in-law and sister, is actually the one place where it seems to have worked. That those two rolling around jagged pieces of, um, of opposite poles uh, snapped right into place. And the one thing I can truly be happy for my sister about is that she found her husband, Jim because the two of them have a bond that they, I can't really imagine they could have except with each other. Um, certainly, they were smart enough to recognize how much they fit well together in almost every circumstance. And in the ones they didn't, they knew they could forego it. They had become a perfect couple because the ways that they needed to support each other, they were there for. And the ways that they could help each other be lifted up, they were also there for. I, I mean, it, 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 is, it is one of those situations I always thought was just around the corner for me and was never going to happen. Well, it did happen for these two. And I'm not saying they're broken like me. They aren't. They are very um, compartmentalized, though. They are who they are. And they weren't going to be able to compromise a whole lot for anybody. So the fact that they met each other in a capacity in which they really don't have to compromise for each other at all, it's perfect. And so for that, because my sister can be a little bit uh, demanding. She's very specific and particular about, for instance, what she likes to eat. So uh, you don't want to take her to a restaurant where the only options are going to be mutton chops and rack of lamb. She will <laughs> wonder <laughs> if there's a Taco Bell on the way home. So uh, that said, uh, Jim uh, knows just exactly how not to push M's buttons and uh, vice versa. They are perfect for each other. And I can't imagine a better fit to fall into both their lives than each other, but especially for Jim to have met my sister, to have treated her so well, to have been such a good guy to her. Her entire marriage has been one where there has been nothing but love and understanding between them. It's admirable. And for that, Jim is absolutely my hero. And frankly, probably is the reason the family never really fell apart. <laughs> because had Jim not been there to be the ultimate um, What's that stuff that you put in like machinery? It's like gel that keeps parts that vibrate from causing too much vibration. Well, whatever that is, that sort of, uh, that movement retardant, that uh, silicone, 
uh, squeeze that allows other parts to stay stable in an otherwise potentially completely combustible environment. That's what Jim was and still is. And in my opinion, will always be because he is good at that role and he has found a niche in which the family has made him official. Our family includes Jim, period. And it always will. And I may not have been the brother to my sister that I could have been or should have been or want to be. But I gained a brother in her love for Jim. And I know it. And in many ways, Jim is the reason I still have as good a relationship with everybody in the family as I do. So for all the things that life casually threw at me, throwing Jim at my sister, honestly, that may be one of my biggest coincidental wins of all.